How can real estate technology, or prop tech, benefit Opportunity Zone marketplace participants? Find out next. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Opportunity Zones podcast, the weekly show where we interview Opportunity Zones professionals and experts from fund managers to tax advisors, from real estate developers to venture capitalists. If it impacts Opportunity Zones or the Opportunity Funds industry, we cover it here on the Opportunity Zones podcast. Welcome to the Opportunity Zones podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Atkinson. Joining me today to discuss real estate technology and opportunity zones is Steve Nisson. Steve is founder of Any Size Deals, a conference organizer with a focus on real estate innovation. The Any Size Deals Festival of Real Estate Innovation is coming to Las Vegas in September. Steve, thanks for joining me today and welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Jimmy. I'm so excited to be on your show. Excited to have you here too, Steve. Uh, we met at your Opportunity Zones Summit in Brooklyn last year in person that was a first time meeting and it's uh it's great to connect with you again here as you're preparing for uh your second opportunity zone conference coming to the venetian in las vegas this september and we'll talk about that a little later on in the show but but first let's dive into real estate technology or cre tech or prop tech it's one of those exciting terms that carries a connotation of industry disruption uh, but at the same time, it's a very broad term. It's somewhat vague. It can encompass a lot of real estate technology topics, smart home technology, property management technology, listing services technology. And the term also overlaps with financial technology, including real estate, project crowdfunding, distributed ledger technology, loan management technology, just name a few. And so today's episode is going to focus on the intersection of prop tech and Opportunity Zones. But to start us off, Steve, can you give our listeners an overview of what PropTech is exactly and what that term means to you? Yeah, that's an excellent uh, question point you made. So for me, PropTech means um, real estate innovation as it relates to, for the most part, technology, but to a certain degree, it can be anything disruptive. So it could be anywhere from software that's created to automate certain aspects of your life or certain aspects of managing your property or underwriting your property. Or it could be something where there's not necessarily a lot of technology involved, but it's changing how the real estate industry, the real estate business is conducted. The perfect example would be a WeWork, right? Although WeWork is currently going through some difficulties right now, overall, they they have been a very disruptive company, right? So WeWork is not necessarily a technology-based company, but they changed the way owners lease out their space and they changed the way tenants use space, right? And it had a huge impact because it dramatically transformed how building owners and operators started doing how to manage their space. And a lot of companies that came Another disruptive approach that's not necessarily tech-driven, but that's disruptive within the real estate ecosystem is something called co-living, right? Which is more of the multifamily sector, which is changing how um, people rent out apartments, what the expectations are, and also changing how developers build apartments. So instead of giving you a larger apartment for one person, it's more of sort of a, of a dorm concept targeting millennials. So the building has a lot more amenities and services, and um, you have less physical space where you live in because people don't really use their space. So there's no software there, but it's still disruptive. And then you have your traditional software plays 
where there's a lot of technology involved or a bunch of companies from the VCSs of the world to the Reonomy. But for me, when when someone says prop tech, my first thought is it's something that's changing how real estate is being used and run. Yeah, it's very exciting, potentially disruptive technologies that could turn the real estate industry upside down in, in many ways. Steve, which real estate professions or sectors is prop tech already starting to affect or, or likely going to affect in the near future? Well, like you mentioned in your intro, so it, it affects multiple areas. So there's some firms that are really focused on the asset management component. So how you operate and run your portfolio, tracking your lease, tracking your data, right? Um, real estate is a industry that has a ton of data, right? From the rent to the leases to the transactions, et cetera. But obviously getting this information in an intelligent manner has always been a challenge. So there are a lot of companies that focus on that aspect of it. There are other companies that are tackling aspects of construction. Um, there's just there's not a single area that hasn't been impacted, right? So last year, for example, over $20 billion of venture capital was poured into the sector. If you go back to, let's say, 2013, I don't even think it was $20 million, right? So within like six years or so, you've gone from a few million dollars of investment capital in this space to billions, right? And the thing you have to realize is that a lot of the money that's gone into the space it's not just venture capitalists. This money also comes from real estate development firms, right? So from the Tishman Spars to the Rudins to Heinz, a bunch of companies um, who are traditional real estate businesses themselves have started putting capital within uh, the tech sector because they're aware that um, technology and all these disruptive um, tools are changing the expectations from their tenants, but also are opportunities for them to either run their businesses more efficiently or generate more capital. So the whole industry as a whole is really transforming and changing. And if you go to any real estate conference or event, any real estate conference in general, you'd see that there's a big emphasis on seeing how you can incorporate technology within the, the system because it's just viewed as something that's having a huge impact within the space. Yeah, that's incredible to hear about the growth of the industry going from essentially zero to $20 billion in funding in a matter of just a very short amount of time, just a few years. That's that's very interesting. I, I, I want to shift our attention to opportunity zones and examine the relationship between prop tech and OZs. Uh, but but first, let's. I want to back up a minute here first, Steve, and get background on you and Any Size Deals. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about Any Size Deals and how you got started with it and, and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, that's a good question. So my background prior to being an entrepreneur, I've always worked in the real estate industry. Um, I went to school at the University of Minnesota for my undergraduate degree. I got a degree in real estate, then moved to New York, went to NYU, got a master's degree in real estate. Upon graduating, I worked for a bunch of um, real estate companies, and I mostly worked in asset management and leasing, but I was very interested in entrepreneurship and in technology. And I started Any Size Deals as a way to figure out how to connect people who wanted to buy real estate um, with, with different skills 
So my background was in asset management, and I was like, well, if I want to buy real estate, maybe I need a partner who has a background in finance or development and acquisition. There's not really a platform for me to do this. LinkedIn does exist, and it's there, but LinkedIn, it's more the general networking or if you're looking for a job, et cetera. At least that was my perception of the of the platform. I wanted something that was worth more direct. Hence the name any size deals where it doesn't matter what your deal size is. What matters is can you find someone on that platform that can help you do a transaction or work with you? And I didn't think about it um as a one to many. I thought of it as a one to one situation. Think of it like a dating site. So if you're in a dating site you're specific in terms of you're looking for someone with specific characteristics, right? So I apply that same concept. So um, let's say in New York, I'm looking to buy a 10-unit building in Brooklyn, cost X amount of dollars. I'm looking for a partner for this. That was my initial concept. So I launched the site. Uh, this is about 2015. Um, I started to get some traction. One of the ways that I was able to get people on board was I started going to like local meetups to pitch the idea and then I launched my own meetups and one thing led to another started doing events. I was doing events here and there, but mostly as a way to promote the online platform to connect people. And then it took me a few years to realize that what I was trying to achieve um via the online platform, I was more effective of it at achieving it at my own events and conferences. So then I decided that instead of focusing any size deals with being an online platform to connect people, I would refocus this on on it being um, a platform to connect people, regardless of where it is, but mostly at live events, because I realized that our industry is still, there still is a big emphasis on face-to-face -face meeting, on deal-making, where I meet you, talk to, you still have the handshake, and especially because the people I wanted to attract on the platform were senior executives who don't necessarily use technology to do transactions. They might use technology to meet someone or to get the initial thing, but for them it's to set up a meeting. And I realized that by doing the conferences, it was more effective that way. So then I decided to kind of, and it started where they use the word pivot. I don't really like to use the word pivot. I like to say I evolved, right? So I decided to evolve the business and focus more on doing conferences and that's why I started doing conferences a couple of years ago. And then with the conferences at each event, I focus on a specific topic. That way I'm able to match people that are interested in that topic. And that's kind of how we went, met at the ASD Summit, which was on Opportunity Zones. I have other ones that focus on other areas of real estate innovation. So that's somewhat of the background. Yeah, that's great. No, that's great background. So Any Size Deals, essentially it's, it's a matchmaking platform for real estate investors. It started online and recently you've taken it um, to live events, which I think is great. I always love attending the live events and having that face-to-face -face networking is is very important, especially in this industry. You're absolutely right. So Steve, let's, let's now shift our attention to Opportunity Zones. Can you tell us what is the relationship between PropTech and OZs? How do they intersect? As of today, you don't have as much intersection as they there should be, but I think there's huge potential. For one thing, like I mentioned earlier about investments, right? So a lot of the prop tech companies have raised funds from traditional real estate companies. And a lot of the traditional real estate companies are very familiar with tax incentives based on the location where you are. So I think from one aspect, it makes natural sense that these investors start requiring that 
some of their startups that they're investing in located in opportunity zones, right? Um, and I think from a PropTech standpoint, one, you're creating or solving problems that are real estate related, right? And if you think about it, a lot of people, almost everybody lives, right? We all live in buildings, which it's real estate. So by definition, you're solving two problems by locating an opportunity zone. One of the reasons the law came about is because the government wanted to encourage investments in areas that were underserved. So if you have a prop tech firm, you look at an opportunity zone, one, you obviously generate income for yourself, but you're also helping a local area grow and um, create businesses there. The other thing is you probably already are generating a significant amount of income from opportunity zones. You're just not taking advantage of the benefits of being there, right? Because we have the 50% gross income test, right? Either 50% of the hours that your employees spend are there or the income you generate are there. So I think a lot of prop tech firms should think about it that way and kind of see the benefit. There is pretty much no downside from um, a startup investing or a startup launching with an opportunity zone. Uh, from the investment side, the other thing is venture capital firms usually when they invest in startups their view is that whatever startup they're investing in if it really grows to something that can go public or ipo it usually takes about 10 years so venture capitalists have a longer time frame from when they think their investments are supposed to pan out and with the opportunity zones your real benefit is if you have it there for 10 years right then you pay no capital gains tax on any um, of the profits past the 10 years. So I think from those two aspects already, it's like a natural a natural opportunity. Yeah, I agree there. There's uh, there's definitely a good amount of overlap between, you know, that VC target of, of a 10-year hold and the opportunity zone incentive because you need to achieve that 10-year hold anyway. And, you know, we're, we're, we've seen in the first wave of opportunity zone investments, a lot of real estate deals get put into place but i think in this uh in this second wave that's that's coming or that has already started we're going to see more and more vc based more startups more operating businesses get started in opportunity zones and like you said there's really no reason why if you have a prop tech startup or really any type of startup that you shouldn't start it in an opportunity zone uh can you uh expound a little bit on on the benefits of locating in an opportunity zone for prop tech firms specifically? Yeah, yeah. So so like like I mentioned, like for me just just thinking about it from a standpoint of having a competitive advantage, right? So most startups are always looking to raise money, right? So one of the benefits it goes directly to investors. If they invest in your company, it automatically helps them with reducing their taxes. When you do, if the company IPOs or whatever profit you have later down the line, by being there or by identifying what percentage of your business is an opportunity zone, it's making your business more attractive, right? To investors that focus on opportunity zone and to investors that do not. The other thing is if you are running an incubator or an accelerator, so these are um, places that help foster businesses, right? 
If you run one of those and you're located in an opportunity zone, again, you have another incentive to attract those businesses. And from a business standpoint, it helps you defer some of the, um, the expenses because you're attracting certain investments to set up. So for me, it's really about the benefit from a financial standpoint of being located there. Plus, like I mentioned, a lot of companies, when they think about one of the reasons to do business is to make a difference within their communities, right? Speaking of communities, another key benefit that I've been mentioned is that there's a big discussion, not just in PropTech, but tech in general, that there's a, a, a lack of diversity in terms of who's getting capital, right? So if you focus, for example, if you're a venture fund and you focus on opportunity zones or investing opportunity zones, you will automatically tap into um, people within that community that might come from a diverse background and the businesses that are going to come up from that specific area might not be the traditional businesses you see. So for me, there's just a lot of dynamic opportunities that can come from really not just the prop tech, prop tech obviously, but the tech sector in general, really focusing on targeting those areas. Plus, there what eighty seven hundred designated opportunity zone and roughly thirty five million Americans live within those opportunity zones. A business that has thirty five million potential customers is attractive to anybody, right? So even if you're designing your company, you're trying to say, okay, what what problems can I solve for those thirty five million Americans? What's lacking that I can solve? That's already a huge opportunity. And the benefit to that is you're going to find investors who want to put in the money because there is a huge tax incentive for them. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good breakdown of of the benefits of locating in an opportunity zone, not just for prop tech firms, not just for tech firms, but for for any type of business. So to me, I see prop tech and opportunity zones interacting in two distinct ways, really. And we've already talked about the first way. One is on that investment side or that capital raising side. You know, a lot of prop tech companies or startups that need capital investment. It's a hot new sector for VC funding. So as we mentioned before, if you're starting a prop tech firm, why not locate in an opportunity zone? Steve and I just went through a list of a lot of the benefits that prop tech firms can, can gain by, by locating in an opportunity zone. And the investors with capital gains obviously can take advantage of all the OZ tax benefits. But the other side I feel like is the compliance side. And on the compliance side, what I mean by that is there are prop tech firms or there may be be prop tech firms in development that can help develop technology that specifically helps OZ funds stay in compliance with the safe harbors associated with the tax incentive. And those safe harbors I'm talking about are the 90% asset test at the fund level, the 70% asset test at the QOZB level, the 50% gross income test. Uh, so I'm thinking of like a blockchain powered fund administration services company geared specifically for OZ funds. That's one example. Agora Altex is a good example of a company that's been innovative in that space. I'm also thinking of maybe a GPS tracking tech company that can help track the movement of a qualified opportunity zone businesses, employees, and independent contractors during the workday to help the QOZB and the upstream qualified opportunity fund keep an audit trail that shows that you did satisfy the 50% 
hours worked test, you know, being able to locate where the equipment and where the employees and contractors are during the course of the day. I think that that's another example of a prop tech company that that specifically focuses on the OZ space. Steve, are there any other prop tech firms or any other areas that are focused on OZ specific technology? I think, I mean, the examples you mentioned are great. I think a lot of existing prop tech firms can create subsidiaries or pivot or create additional business lines to try to tackle that administrative aspect you mentioned. For example, there's a firm called Reonomy. They recently raised about $60 million. And on their platform, really, it's for you can find any information about almost any property within the U.S., right? The address, the location, et cetera. It's really about gathering, collecting data, and helping people make intelligent decisions about their investment. A firm like that, they can do the exact same thing and have it where it's, they have a targeted tool just for opportunity zones. So if you want to, if you um, own a bunch of buildings, manage a bunch of buildings, and you're trying to see how many are located in opportunity zones because it's an area that you want to explore, that's something you can do. There are firms that help you analyze where to place investment, right, just in general. So software tools that do that, you can take that same software tool and use it for opportunity zones. So if you and I want to invest in opportunity zones, they're 8,700, which how do we pick the best one that meets what we're looking for? We might be interested in demographic, like what, what are the income ranges, what other businesses are locating there, uh, is this are these neighborhoods on the cusp of really getting to where we need to go, et cetera? Those are certain tools that a lot of um there are already a lot of firms, tech companies, prop tech firms that provide such services, they're just not thinking of, oh, let me dedicate this to opportunity zones because it's a huge market opportunity. They're thinking from a broader perspective. There are two firms that come to mind, Skyline AI and Cherry right, where they're um, AI-based platforms that really work with um, owners and operators to underwrite their transactions, um, make market analysis in terms of determining their investments. To me, those firms have like a natural, there's like a natural relationship with opportunity zones because if you're a real estate investor, uh, owner, developer, when you're picking a location, a lot of it has to do with whether you think you're going to get the best return within that location. So having a tool that helps you do this makes a ton of sense. With the, the what you mentioned about the safe harbor, et cetera, it does also make a lot of sense that some firms really focus on that aspect because it's critical. And I would say another thing um, that could be really helpful within the sector, although a lot of people are interested, some people might necessarily know what the process is to qualify, um, people, some people might be interested in setting up funds, really understanding that there are platforms out there that help streamline the process, right? Um, that that would that would be huge as well, right? If there's an online platform, you can go. If let's say you want to start your own fund, you can go and find all the info and streamlining. That's great. If you want to look at uh, funds that invest in businesses, is there a platform for you to go out there and find out all this info? Oh, this fund is targeting companies like myself that are located in Cleveland or Alabama or New York or what, what have you, that would make a lot of sense. So those are the, the other aspects too, from a support standpoint, 
that I think are critical. And again, as more people start paying attention, because there's more capital coming in now that the guidelines are kind of official, I'm really optimistic about the space. Uh, I just, I think there's so much opportunity there and there's so much synergy with the prop tech space and the tech sector. And it's just a matter of time before people really, you know, get into it. I agree. There are a lot of synergies between prop tech and opportunity zones. Reonomy was a great example of a uh, of an analytics based tool that uh, that that can help you identify properties and demographic trends within uh, different opportunity zones. That was that was a great example of, of a prop tech firm that that has a OZ component to it. Uh, Steve, looking forward to the rest of this year. Twenty twenty just got underway here. Uh, we're toward the end of January, beginning of February now. Uh, what are some trends in the prop tech industry that you feel we should keep an eye on? So that's the two ways to look at it. There's trends in terms of software, technology, et cetera. So artificial intelligence is something that's significantly growing. Robotics is one. Robotics, a lot of it is on the construction side of the business from a safety standpoint. From an efficiency standpoint, you have firms like Amazon that have um, a lot of facilities that just use robots. In China, it's massive. They have everything from restaurants that just use robots to warehouses, et cetera. So this is something that's picking up a lot more steam than we've seen in the past. Obviously, blockchain is always a topic. Now, future of work, which is um, co-working flex space. Although WeWork was supposed to IPO, they didn't. That kind of dampened the mood there, but it's still such a massive area within the real estate sector. And taking into account that it's only about 5% market penetration of the office sector. What do I mean by that? I mean, most of the leases in the office sector are still traditional long-term leases. There are very few that are flexible leases, but it's growing so fast. So it's something to keep an eye out on, right? Um, so that's one thing to look at. Now, another thing to look at within the space is just what's going to happen to companies. Are we going to keep, are companies still going to keep raising a lot of money? Absolutely. Now, is the money that's being raised going to go to all companies at all stages? Probably not because there are a sizable amount of companies and entrepreneurs who've been at it for a few years. So what's going to happen is more money is going to come in, but it's only going to focus on like, the top tier firms where investors think maybe this thing can ICO in a couple of years. And then another thing that's going to happen is there are going to be more mergers and acquisitions, right? So let's say you and I have a similar business. We're in the same space. We've been going at it for two years. If I'm the larger one or you're the larger one, most likely our investors would encourage us to merge or we'll just merge because it gets to the point where um, people start realizing like, well, as the market matures, maybe the market doesn't need two solutions for what the service we're providing. So you're going to see a lot of mergers as well. So that's kind of what my take is on the industry. The other thing is investors and startups are going to focus a lot more on being profitable, right? Because we work for all the kids. They did, they're also the poster child for um, spending money, hoping at some point to get a return, and then they go from being valued at like $40 billion to $6 billion. People lose a ton of money. So now people are going to start looking at, as a company, as a prop tech firm, you're providing a service, you're generating income. 
how and when do you become profitable. So those are the things that people are going to be looking at. But overall, so I'm very optimistic. There's a lot of activity happening in this space. And I think when it comes to opportunity zones, it's going to play a bigger role as well, especially because when you start thinking about being profitable, being an opportunity zone, investing in this space kind of helps you with that aspect of the business. Yeah, helps provide an incentive for your investors to deploy their capital into your opportunity zone fund that may be focused on prop tech. Absolutely. So a lot of good, a lot of good trends uh, that you gave us to keep an eye out for uh, for the rest of the year here in 2020 and beyond going into the future in the prop tech industry. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about your your conferences, Steve. Last year, you hosted the Any Size Deals Opportunity Zone Summit in Brooklyn at the Williamsburg Hotel, like we mentioned uh, toward the beginning of the show. The keynote speakers at that event were New York real estate developers Stephen Whitkoff and Anthony Scaramucci. And then you also had Treasury official Dan Kowalski speak later in that day as well. I, I thought it was a great conference, um, well attended, a lot of, lot of great experts um, in, the, in the space there. Can you, can you tell us about, a little bit about what you have in store for your next Opportunity Zones conference? It's uh, part of the Any Size Deals Week, the Festival of Real Estate Innovation that's coming to the Venetian at the Las Vegas in September. Tell us a little bit more. Absolutely, absolutely. So I'm super excited about this. So like I mentioned earlier, um, I do conferences that focus on specific topics. So over the past couple of years, I've been doing four conferences, four to five a year on different topics throughout the year. So I have one where it's focused on artificial intelligence and robotics, one that's focused on blockchain and real estate, then the ASD Summit, which is an opportunity zone. And then I have another one, which is just prop tech in general. So this year, we're going to Vegas for four days for Any Size Deals Week, which we call the Festival of Real Estate Innovation. And over the four days, we're going to cover those four main topics, right? So from the 8th through the 11th, each day it's a different topic. And the Opportunity Zone one, which is ASD Summit, is on the third day. And it gives us an opportunity to bring people from different areas within the real estate ecosystem to facilitate networking and deal-making, but also delve deep into the topics. So like on our call today, we talked about opportunity zones and how if you own or run a company, you should really think about the potential of what that can be. If you're an investor, you have to explore this. You mentioned a blockchain firm, right, that focused on opportunity zones. So where else can you go where you would meet people from these different areas of the real estate ecosystem, but at the same time are still connected by their interest in transforming the real estate industry? The only place you're going to do that is at Any Size Deals Week because for the four days, we have people from those different areas. So for us, it's super exciting. You mentioned the great speakers we had last year. It's the same concept we're going to have this year. We have a ton of great speakers that we're lining up. We're going to make the announcement shortly. And we picked the Venetian because it's a great hotel. And for us, really going to Vegas signifies the growth of our company and our business. But also, it's a great place to do business, have fun, and really enjoy yourself. So we're really excited about that. And honestly, it's just a great opportunity for the, for the industry to really celebrate all the innovation that's happening. And we'll have panel discussions, keynotes deep dives, and obviously kind of exhibitors and some great networking inception takeaways. So it's, it's just very exciting. Perfect. That, that's great, Steve. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, for our listeners out there, just so you know, Steve and I have arranged for 
uh, listeners of the Opportunity Zone podcast to get a discount off of tickets for the Any Size Deals Week conference coming to Las Vegas, the Venetian Hotel, September 8 through 11. If you use the discount code OPPORTUNITYDB, uh, you can save $100 off tickets. Just visit AnySizeDeals.com to learn more and register. And again, that discount code to save $100 for our Opportunity Zones podcast listeners is OPPORTUNITYDB. Uh, Steve, thanks for joining us today. Uh, before we go, can you tell our listeners uh, where they can go to learn more about you and any size deals? I think I already uh, hit that up, but I'll, I'll let you uh, say say one last word if, if you want to before we go. Absolutely, yes. And thank you so much for having me, Jimmy. Like you mentioned, they can go on anysizedeals.com to look up the info or any size deals week. And um, there's all the information about the conference. We also started writing some articles. I actually wrote an article called the opportunity zone and prop tech. And it kind of covers some of what we discussed. And um, you can also read that on, on the site as well. So it was my pleasure talking to you today. Hopefully your listeners will get some great value out of it. I certainly had a great time and uh, thank you so much. Perfect. Yeah. Pleasure speaking with you as well, Steve. And for our listeners out there, I'll have show notes on this episode on the Opportunity Zones database website. You can head to opportunitydb.com slash podcast. And there you will find links to all of the resources that Steve and I discussed on today's show. I'll be sure to link to that article that Steve wrote recently on PropTech and Opportunity Zones. And I'll also link to anysizedealsweek.com and uh, where you can use that discount code OPPORTUNITYDB to purchase tickets to the event coming to the Venetian later this year in September. Steve, thanks again for joining us. This has been great. Thank you so much, Jimmy. That's it for our show today. A huge thank you to you, our listener. If you liked this episode, please rate and review us on iTunes. The Opportunity Zones podcast is produced by the Opportunity Database. Visit OpportunityDB.com to learn more about Opportunity Zones and Opportunity Zone Fund investing. You can learn how to subscribe to this podcast and read more about today's guest in the show notes by visiting OpportunityDB.com slash podcast. And we'll be back soon with another episode.